Hello. Can you uh, erase storytelling? Because this is my first time. <laughs> and I'm ner very, very nervous today. Um, so is it okay with you? Is it okay if I half read? I was soaking all day, been bugging James. You should be nervous for me. <laughs> so anyway, my name is M. Seal. 50. I'm 50 years old. Asian blood. Um, maybe I should be a comedian. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to... Gosh, can you clap for me, please? So I feel better. My name is Emcil. I'm also Filipino. I'm not a nurse, though, but I'm sure you've met a Filipino nurse at RDH. I, I always joke whenever we have gigs, I said, oh my gosh, there's no Filipinos in here because they're all in night shift. <laughs> okay. As I was writing my story, I just realized how boring my story is because I've got a lot of secrets and unfortunately tonight I can't share these secrets with you. So please bear with me and my boring story. But if you have 50 cups of coffees with me, maybe I'll tell you some of my secrets. So we'll make it a casual talk, huh? Because I'm, I'm shaking, I'm really nervous. Tonight I'll tell you about my story, my journey, and the stories of the many people who have made a huge impact of my life. So brace yourselves, Asian family, there's lots of names involved. 6 p.m., the church bells ring in our village. We stop, we pray, and then we ask for blessings from the elders. In the Philippines, uh, um, it's like, a, like this, I'll show you unto B. This is how we ask for blessing. Because you're Filipino. Give me your hand. Put it in your forehead. Yeah. So that's how we ask for blessings from our elders. And the church bells ring every 6 p.m. at night. It means that we just we had to go home. Um, I was born in a place called Old Poblacion Escalante, Negros Occidental. It is the only time that I can say that word, Negros, because the Spanish name that's Negros because of the small Filip black Filipino people who used to live the island before the Spanish came. So until now, we're still called, uh, the island is still called Negros Occidental. You know how hard that is to tell people where I'm from? And, um, but uh, the original name for my, for my village was Manlambus. Manlambus literally means to strike with a club because I lived in a coastal area and um, there used to be a lot of fish. So every time there was high tide or heavy rain, we used to just, oh, not me, but my ancestors and my great-grandparents used to use a club to hit the fish and then that's it, dinner served. Not anymore, because the wealthy uh, businessmen back in the 90s, I was already born, they started to introduce the dynamites and they started to kill our corals and the little fish. And, um, but I wasn't born there. I was born in, a, in southern Philippines called Davao City. Uh, my father's family is from there. He's one of the 10 children. Um, he unfortunately passed away at the age of 26 of kidney failure. I was three months old. So in my mom, you know, a lot of people felt bad for my mom. So I guess the easiest way for her to tell me where my dad was as I was growing up, she used to tell me that my, my dad lived in the moon. And that's what I tell my kids right now. When I was in primary school, I was showing off to the people I started studying science that Neil Armstrong was my dad. <laughs> I'm laughing at my own jokes. How good is this? <laughs> No, I was serious. I was like, oh my gosh, my dad was the first man to step on the moon. <laughs> Thanks, mom. After the death of my father, my mom moved back to Escalante for a little bit. And then she moved to a place, another city in the Philippines 
There's 7,000, more than 7,000 islands in the Philippines called Cebu, and she worked there. She left me with my grandparents, and that's where I lived for 15 years. That's where my home was, the fishing village where the church bells rang at 6 p.m. Growing up without a father, I was surrounded by strong-spirited women and lots of men who were father figures to me because they felt sorry for me. Um, they took amazing care of me, my grandparents, my, you know, their siblings, my uncles, and my cousins. They looked after me really well. So let's start with two people, my great-grandparents. These are their names, very Spanish. Eulogia and Constantino. Oh, see? <laughs> so Eulogia, the, the the, my Lola, my great-grandmother, was a village midwife. She was a frustrated doctor. She didn't go to school because she was a woman. And she got pregnant at the age of 16 for her first child, my grandmother. But she was the village midwife. She pretty much delivered most babies in my village. And there's even a story. One of my aunties had a baby at 24 weeks. And she, my great-grandmother, put hot water and replaced them like every hour. It was crazy. Co uh, in uh, glass Coke bottles. And he would just, she would just put the Coke bottles surrounding the baby, sort of like an incubator. My auntie is now... Oh my gosh, she's like 50 years old. This is not, <laughs> this is not planned. My great-grandfather, Constantino, was a sole photographer pretty much on the island of Negros. It's a big island, just Google Earth it. Um, she, he had a small, sort of like this big... Sarah is not here. She taught me how to develop films because we used to work together in Sanderson Middle School. So my great-grandfather, Constantino, he used to have a small, uh, is it called dark, dark room? But it was small like that. And eventually at the age of, in his 50s, he became blind because of the chemicals in such a small space. They had six children. My maternal grandmother was the eldest. I grew up with all of them, my six grandparents and their spouses. They were all my grandparents. I lived with my maternal grandparents, Emilio and Cecilia, and that's why my name, Emilio Cecilia M. Seal. <laughs> now, it's true. <laughs> you should hear the other names. I just made it up. It doesn't make sense. I think I'm the only M. Seal in the world. I Googled myself. It's hard to, you know, when you call a taxi, M. Seal. So I just say, yeah, my name is Angela, just for Angela. It's easier. And then you go to a doctor's clinic and they go, Emcilly, mm. <laughs> it's Emcil. So Emilio, my, my grandfather, he was Chinese. He was a hustler, tax collector, became a private chef and a sole caterer for my village. I'll make it a bit quick now. My, great, my grandmother, Cecilia, was a year two teacher. Let me take you to my life as a child in my village in five minutes. So these, uh, this was my life, typhoon. Snot, for some reason, I was snotty when I was young. Sandbars, swimming, fish for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Playing with spiders, so uh, maybe you could have given me your spiders. Um, as our hobby, more typhoons, mangoes, coconuts, blackout for months. Um, choir practice, swim, and then repeat. That's pretty much it. It was so small, there was no hospital. The first time I went to the hospital, was here in RDH when I got pregnant with my first child in no, 2009. Legit, it was my first time to step foot in the hospital. When we got sick in the Philippines, and I know it's a joke, but it's true, we use Vicks. <laughs> no, it is actually true, it's true. And then my son asked me, I said, Mom, how many, how many Vicks do you need in the house? <laughs> the other day. <laughs> it's true, it's not, it actually is not a joke, it's actually true, we, have, we, have, we had a lot of Vicks. Um, 
But yeah, uh, you know, I had the best childhood in the fishing village. I love my primary school. We started at 7 a.m., finished at 5 p.m. So I don't know why my students complain. We had 12 to 13 subjects. We even had a gardening subject and a class. And the teachers used to visit our, ho our house, our homes to check, you know, the, the flower gardens and the vegetable garden. And obviously I haven't learned anything because I can't even freaking grow like a grass, a, you know, one grass here in Marara Filipino Community Center. <laughs> We've been given a grant for a year now, haven't planted one thing. Um, so anyway, my grandmother maintained my garden and I had a, my grade was A, A+. Plus. I did okay at school. I always received the second honor, uh, honors uh, ribbon, but you had to pay five pesos to get your ribbon <laughs> for fundraising for the school paint, the classroom paint. And then, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, I, I like remembering, you know, I've been here for 22 years. I forget this stuff. So this is great. And then I, I, I graduated primary school as a school salutatorian, which is apparently the second smartest, but I failed in high school. So don't get excited. <laughs> My life as a young kid in the village was very repetitive, but so much fun. This was my life, school, then after school, I'd go behind my grandparents' back and swim. My friends and I would pick seashells for dinner, met the fishermen and their boats, because they'd give out fish for free before selling them at the markets. I'd then go home and sneak into the bathroom, so when my grandparents questioned why I was wet, I'd just tell them I've just had a shower. I love the sun, I love the water, it healed me. We were taught to navigate the ocean when it's low tide. I knew everything about the ocean. We knew how to get rid of the pufferfish poison so that it was edible. Pufferfish contains tetrodoctosin. I just Googled this before I came here tonight. A substance 1,200 1, times more poisonous than cyanide, but we ate them. But once you get rid of that, it was bloody delicious. But now, now that I've Googled that, I'm going home September, I'm not eating pufferfish. Felt like I was Moana. But what I really love, this is, I'm nearly finished. How many minutes? Uh, but what I really loved the most growing up was being with the people, doing work with and for the people. I'm going to read so it's a bit quick. We were a small community, but everything was about community work, about giving. We were raised, all of us made aware of our social responsibility. It's not just me. When I talk to my friends now in Canada and other parts of the world, they're doing exactly the same thing. They're my counterpart in every part of the world. Let me introduce you to another person whose work has immensely inspired me, Avito Maratas. He's the third child of the great-grandparents, but one of the six siblings. Avito Maratas spent most of his life doing community work. He was one of the village elders who fought for the people's rights and recognition. He was also an activist. I talk a lot about him with Bong Ramilo here. But Tatay Dodong, Tatay Avito, as I would call him, would spend countless hours working with and for the people. That's all he did. My mother was also an activist. She was the, his uh, right hand. He loved me too. He would always tell my grandma how, how I had to be protected at all times because in my family, I guess I was the only one without a father. So I witnessed Avito's work as he used to, to take me to his meetings. Because of that exposure, I also did a lot of community work at such a young age. At the age of 10, I started to help organizing events with a choir because I wasn't a member of the choir. I can't sing. Please don't let me sing. Avito was also a church volunteer, and we would help run events with him. 29th of January, 1999, I left the fishing village where the church bells rang at 6 p.m. I was 15 years old. I came to Darwin. The youngest of the six siblings, Gloria from Humtidu, sponsored my mom and myself to come here. It was the first time I lived with my mom. Darwin, I had no idea what Darwin was about. Everything was about Sydney and kangaroos <laughs> in those Britannica books. 
Um, I attended a secondary intensive English unit in Darwin High School. The confidence that I had that my grandparents worked hard for me to have, gone. I suddenly was more conscious of my skin color. The worst thing was that it came from my fellow Filipinos. If you're from the village, you're a servant, you're a maid. Everything that I knew from the village was irrelevant. Everything that I was trained for, no one was interested. Because of my ability to speak English, my accent, my grammar, my color, no one wanted to listen. I felt bad for my grandparents. I felt bad for the people who worked so hard to nurture me. Um, I was in the intensive English unit only for three months. I was moved to mainstream, but I wasn't ready. Uh, you know, confidence-wise, I wasn't ready. In hindsight, they shouldn't have moved me. I failed many of my subjects in high school. I suddenly became irrelevant, useless. That's how I felt. My life changed. I lost my voice. I forgot how to express myself. I became scared for a while, but the passion remained. I started to volunteer as a performer at the Filipino Association Australia. Filipino-Australian Association of the NT Incorporated, until a few people started to see my potential. That reignited my purpose. I was trained as an MC until I was awarded my own Filipino youth radio station at Territory FM, used to be called Top FM at the CDU. Many, many people still saw me as an errands girl. Many still do, but the one or two believed in me, and including you, Kuya Bong, and took me under their wings was enough to inspire and motivate me again. I became a journalist at the largest Filipino TV network. I was the uh, sole journalist here in the NT. Um, I, I became a chairman of AIRWA, which is Australian Immigrant Refugee Women's Alliance, um, based in Canberra. I represented the NT. I was exposed in a lot of conferences in Canberra. I didn't do much, I just listened. But that exposure was enough for me to do what I do right now. Um, my full-time job is a home language officer where I work with migrant students and their education. And then I had babies, became a mother, but I never stopped volunteering as an MC host, as an MC, assistant stage manager, whatever. Still the errands girl, main, mainly at the Filipino Association, Australian Association of the NT. I wanted to do more, but there was lack of opportunity given to me because, again, I was only needed as an errands girl. Next year, 2023, is the 50th anniversary of the Filipino-Australian Association of the NT, and the newly elected president is me. Still the errands girl, actually more now. But in 2020, in the midst of the pandemic, I was elected as a president, the youngest president in the history of the Filipino community here in Darwin. But being the president, I felt people questioned me because I was the only the, the village girl with dark skin and a thick accent, and of course, the errands girl. I had a lot of work to do to prove myself, which really pressured me. I cried for so many nights, being so self-critical, thinking I was not built for that position. I felt people did not believe in me until I started to share my stories to some people. I shared the stories of Eulogia and Constantino and their six children as I wanted to emphasize that I understand grassroots community because that was my world. That was my experience. Knowledge and wisdom are not just from performing cultural dances, but because it's in my blood to understand the needs of underrepresented groups. Um, I, was, I used to be that kid, remember Red Cross and other NGOs used to come to our village because it was so tiny and we were so poor. They used to come and they used to give out powdered milk. We didn't even eat them, but it was fun because it was free. And um, this thing called Bulg, is it B-U-L-G-U-R, like Bulgur, which I thought was a Filipino language. And I went to food bank and I'm like, oh my gosh, they sell it here? So I bought it and it's still sitting in my pantry. <laughs> um, Avito Maratas showed me how to really put adv advocacies into action. The party list or whoever is in the government should not influence our work and advocacies here in Darwin. That I should always help and continue to help. I should not wait my favorite candidate to, to help us because it's just continue to help. I've been working 
Um, since I was 10 years old, I've been working for community groups and I'm, I'll continue to work here in Dawen. He taught me how things work with community service. People have lost trust in Fa'an, the Filipino Association. I understand why, which is another story. Um, so for one year and a half, my committee and I have really uh, worked hard to gain that trust back because I believe that we have to support first to get support. Um, so next, this year, on the 27th of August, we're going, have, we're going to have the first Filipino festival here at the waterfront in the history of Filipino community in Darwin, and you are all invited. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get your name from the guest list. Is it confidential? And make you all VIP. I'm telling you that right now. I'm proud to say that my community committee has achieved so much. We paid debt when we took over. There was, it was negative 16000 We paid all that. Now we have $300 in our account. Um, <laughs> we have more events. Uh, it's more inclusive, international students, senior citizens. And of the most important thing is acknowledging our connections with the Aboriginal Australians, the descendants of the Pearl Divers, such as Auntie B, who came to our event at the Philippine Independence Day last year. For the first time, we had a smoking ceremony at the Filipino Community Center. Thank you so much. I love you. <laughs> My name is Emcil. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. The stories like this allow me to reminisce and remember forgotten memories. I am the president of the Filipino-Australian Association of the NT, but I am more than that. I am an advocate for women and youth. I am an advocate for the migrant community. I am an artist. I rap in Tagalog and Visayan language. I'm a pole dancer, believe it or not. I am a teacher like my grandmother, Cecilia. I'm an artist like my great-grandfather. I am a community servant like Avito. I am a wife. I am a mother. Thank you so much. <laughs>